0: Well, today we continue on in our study of the parables, looking in Luke 14, chapter 7, chapter 14, verse 7 through verse 11. I'm going to read this for us now as we look at it. Chapter 14, starting at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you would give us insight to your word. Thank you for your word and the words of Jesus that speak truth, your eternal truth, into our lives. Lord, may we hear it, not just with our ears, but with our lives, with our hearts, so that, Lord, we are ones who are, sha- who are transformed and changed and shaped by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this text here in Luke chapter 14 comes in the midst of Jesus interacting with others and speaking about having a party. <laughs> so it's interesting, Luke 14, what do we have? We have these things called party parables because Jesus is talking about gatherings, feasts and festivals and, and party times. And it was quite the parties that Jesus was invited to. For Jesus attended not just any party, but the important party of a rich guy who was really connected, a leader of the Jews. And they thought, well, let's get Jesus involved. He's got somebody whose people are listening to. And what do we find? Chapter chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. He was being carefully watched. And then down in 7, we see Jesus observing the party behavior. At verse 8, he tells the story. Down in verse 12, Jesus makes other party invitation suggestions. In verse 15 and following, Jesus talks about the parable of the great banquet. All of this is in the context of being together with other people. In other words, being a party, a a dinner party, a celebration. A party that many wish they get. People wish they were gathering too. But Jesus was invited too, for it was party time. Jesus was invited to this dinner party where people wanted to get because it was invited to eat at a prominent man in the area of Jerusalem. And Jesus was invited, and he makes these observations about what takes place at these gatherings. That Jesus attended a guest shouldn't be a surprise because what is Jesus doing? He's moving through Israel. He's teaching. He's healing. He's gathering attention because of what he's saying and what he's doing speaking to the crowds of people. How does Jesus speak? As we've been saying through the summer, Jesus spoke to the crowds, the masses, through parables, telling stories so that they would understand by being able to relate to something they know in life, they could understand more about God's kingdom. And this party that Jesus was at, this was a gathering of the Who in Jerusalem. In fact, I hear the Jerusalem Gazette was there to cover it. And it was trending on Twitter and is blowing up in social media. And there were even Instagram posts back in Jerusalem at that day. So Jesus attends. But Jesus is there not to just, you know, be a tender. He's there to teach, to build up, to encourage, to help others understand the kingdom of God, the message he had. Jesus is in Luke's gospel moving here through Israel moving towards Jerusalem and the cross, where he would die to pay the penalty for our sins and accomplish our redemption. So he's on his way to Jerusalem, an eventual death on the cross. And what we have in the midst of it is Jesus giving us party parables. For he knows and understands so much beyond our comprehension. And he wants us to realize even the normal things of life, how we can live in Christ in the midst of it. So Jesus is teaching us about faith in the kingdom of God as he attends this party, this dinner party of a prominent Pharisee. The Pharisees, as we know, were part of the religious leaders in Israel. And they had places of importance. Since Israel was religiously driven, their leaders were often religious folks. And on this Sabbath, the worship day, Jesus participates in this party. And out of which comes insights. Insights from this party, this dinner gathering, what do we have? We have parables Jesus tell, as we said, stories that reveal the king and his kingdom. For Jesus is the king of God's eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God that the Israelites in the Old Testament we see proclaimed, longing to be in. Jesus comes as the king, the one who brings the kingdom. But how is life in the kingdom to be lived? And that's what Jesus is teaching us as his followers here in the first century, but also to us, 2,000 years later. And Jesus, as he says here, he speaks about humility and how we in Christ should be humble. Understand, Jesus, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, while those who humble themselves will find exaltation. Well, let's consider a couple things. First, the feast. Jesus at this dinner party, verse 7. What does it say? When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them, this parable. Jesus notices how people interact at the dinner party, at the gathering. He sought to help people understand what was going on. For in some circles here in Israel and also circles in our society, being in a prominent position was important. You know, they were in a constant effort here to move as high as possible. So in this gathering gathering of people in Israel, at a rich, well-to-do person's house, to be closer to the front was a big deal. Does that sound anything like maybe what you've experienced someplace? Picking a place of, of good seats rather than bad seats? You know how it is at concerts, at church services. Everybody wants to sit on the first row. Right, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, you go to a restaurant and there's a table right by the picture window looking out over the river. You go, oh, what a great place, and they walk you by it, and then you get the table by the door to the kitchen where you can smell the garbage. You go, oh, come on, come on. Whoa, I don't want to sit here. We want the good stuff, you know. This is true of humans, of all of us. Scrambling for the best seats. Where do we want to sit? You know, it's really humility test, seeking the best place. And an example of this human behavior of an important man. Yes, this man was being interviewed. And as he's being interviewed, he replied to question, saying, I, I've had some success in my life, I've never lost, but I've never lost my sense of place and who I am. I've always stayed connected to the basic and simple in this life. I feel it's important never to let success I've had go to my head. As, as this man, this important man, finishes his statement, he exclaims, driver, what's the problem? Shouting at his driver, and as his limo slows, people are walking against the light, sir. Ah, oh, I've been busy, I'm hurry. what do these people think? They Get out of my way, I've got things to do. And then he goes back, oh yeah, now about your question, uh, about staying humble. Yeah, I've never found that it that hard to do so, blind to the reality of who he had become. Humility. You know you can go online and take a humility test. Think about that. Take a test to see how humble you are. Well, I did take the test, and I would be less than humble if I told you how I scored. So, <laughs> but does it does that make sense? You can take a test, so you can brag to people about humble how humble you are. Now, how does how does that work? Humility isn't a subject taught at the great universities, is it? You know, talking to leadership and and. Uh, Smarts and engineering and different things. How to be visionary, authoritative, capable. Does anywhere it says now we're going to have a class in humility? Humility isn't standard, fair, in business, athletics, academics either. Do you know, you know, in these humility tests that many of these people wouldn't would score pretty poorly. That's the tension, the push and pull of humility, because. We realize the value of humility, we like it, it looks good on others, but at the same time, within us, there's the yearning of pride. So these two items kind of bump and bounce off each other. Maybe for most of us, it isn't an outward arrogance like some, but it's inner, you know, I'm kind of still better than those others, and it's best they would realize it. Some observations on humility... What the world needs is more geniuses with humility. There's so few of us left, Oscar Levent said. Or he says, I'm no more humble than my talents require. Or how about Ted Turner? Here's what Ted Turner said. If I only had a little humility, (laughs) I'd be perfect. You know, that's often how people view themselves. But that's not how Jesus views it. You know, I, I just came across this morning a video of The problem at some of these pools and resorts are everybody's scrambling to get the seats by the pool so if you come half an hour later, there's no place to get there, no place to sit because everybody wants the best places. Or in the parade routes, everyone wants the first row, right? Or at the beach, whatever it is. Getting that best seat. There would be a rush for the seats around the people. Do we seek our own honor In life, or are we humble in how we go about it? Maybe let's take work. Do you care about who gets the credit in your work? Jesus is speaking to us about people who seek their own honor. You know, seats is an illustration of that, but seeking their own glory, their own kind of elevation. And at work, sometimes you come across people who are really good at taking credit for the work, right? A project's completed, and the the owner says, well, well done. And the project leader or manager starts speaking about the task, telling the boss how he was able to get the project done with his skills and leadership abilities while minimizing the team's contributions. Have you ever seen that done? It happens a lot. Especially clever if it's done in a smooth way, not to seem like you're bragging. Seeking honor, seeking glory of ourselves is commonplace. In whether it's upfront, or whether it's kind of behind the scenes. Business leaders that try to convince others that only they are the best, and so they have to get unbelievably rich at the expense of other people. Where CEO salaries continue to rise, while the others lag. To be treated beyond others is it can be intoxicating. But what, what does it say about us? I, my brother knew a, a CEO, and when he retired, he said, I have to get a private jet because I just can't work, you know, go to the airport with common people. That just doesn't work for me. What a mindset. But that's the mindset of so many in life. Say, well, that's not my mindset, but how does it work for you? How about flying in an airplane and what's going on these days with the pandemic and all the troubles and whatever airlines you're flying, and your seats are changed and you didn't know anything about it and you're kicked out of the seat you were assigned and have to sit elsewhere. Well, what happens? Some people go to Twitter and cause a storm. Some of us say, okay. It happened to me last time, last year. You know, there's my seat and somebody's sitting in it and they go, we want to sit together. Like, okay, okay, so what are you going to do? Are you going to fight about it or just say, find another seat and, and sit there? What is our spirit in these things? How do we look at it in terms of us and others? Do we want to engage and blast others, or do we want to take humility in our approach? What does Jesus say about how we approach life and what we get and how we do? This feast tells it. Well, the festivities, Jesus moves into the festivities talking about what happens in the next couple of verses. Verses 8 to 9, he speaks about what takes place. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, Give this person your seat. Then, humility, you will have to take the least important place. Jesus used these party happenings to open our eyes to kingdom living and kingdom values, and teaching us the importance of being humble, of not exalting ourselves. At the wedding feast, that meant don't take the place of honor. Don't look for the best seat or muscle your way into that position because it might not go well for you. Debbie and I once were invited to a, a wedding at a fancy uh, country club. And when we, uh, we got to the reception, there's all the tables in the, in the big place and our table wasn't there. And we went out in the hallway and, yeah, there was our table. <laughs> we had a table, the last table in the hallway. And you think, why did we even get invited to this thing? Who who speaks, who lives in, in humbleness? Who lives saying, Lord God, what do you want from me and how to be humble in this? Humility looks good on us. And we think about humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is not saying, I'm no good, I have no gifts, I have no skill. That's not being humble. Humility means we know who we are. Our skills, our strength, what we have. But as C.S. Lewis, I think, captures it well, it's thinking of ourselves less. It's not thinking less of ourselves. It's not putting ourselves down. It's not being someone, oh, I'm no good. No, knowing who you are, but not thinking about yourself and elevating yourself all the time. I think that is a good way to look at it, to think of yourself less, not thinking of yourself less, not think less of yourself. Or some might say, think of others more, realizing your talents, skills. Who gave them to you? Where they came from? They came from their Maker, the Lord God. And in this, you know, we see that the disciples struggled with this. This famous interaction Jesus had with his very own disciples in Mark chapter ten. What do we? What do the disciples want? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher. We want. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other on your left in glory. This is an amazing statement. They came to Jesus and said, we want the best seats, the places of prominence in all eternity. We want those for us. Jesus, do this for us. Wow, that's a big ask. That's a big ask. They're wonderful servants of God, but they're asking for the best places in all eternity. Jesus says something else. He says, no, you've got it all backwards. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus takes their request and turns it on on its head and says, your goal is not to think, how can others serve me? But how can I serve others? For that's what Jesus, our Lord, has come to do. Jesus who served us by what? By taking our sin upon his life and going to the cross and shedding his blood, dying, being buried, and praise God, brought back to life to live forevermore. He did that for you and me. He served us. That is to be our example. That's what Jesus is teaching here through this parable. Say, don't seek the best place for yourself. Seek how to serve God. On a local scale, what does that mean for us? How does that mean for us? It means that how can we should use what God has given us, our skills and our abilities, to help others as we have opportunity. Not try to figure out how can others help me. For egocentric behavior will catch up with us, Jesus reveals. Whether you're a big deal or not, whether you are huge talents and have resources or not, people who elevate themselves will be humbled at some point in time. Humility. Are we more like the disciples who are trying to figure out how can we find the best for us or How can we be more like Jesus and serve one another? What about you and me? Do we live in humility? Do we live trusting God? Not seeking to elevate ourselves, but seeking what God's called us to be. That's the question that Jesus has for us. Well, we have the feast, the festivities, then, praise God, there's a forever after party. And we see this in the, the last verses of 10 and 11 here what does jesus say but when you're invited take the lowest place so that when your host comes it will say to you, friend move to a better place then you'll be honored in the presence of other guests verse 11 for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted jesus says friends take the lowest place then things might happen. You might be elevated. Give credit to team members who have worked hard in the project at work. Spread it among them. Maybe someone will call you out for your excellent work. In other words, when you seek it and give it yourself, not only is it irritating for others, it's displeasing to God. But rather the principle is serve the Lord and bless others and let God lift you up. To seek after God in his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then God will lift us up. God will look out for us. That's one of the great aspects of faith. As we focus on kingdom living, we have a living God who does look out for you and me, who will lift us up in the right time, in the right way. God is for you. God is looking out for you. So we don't have to live our lives just trying to look out for ourselves, me, myself, and I only. Because God will lift us up. In his way, in his timing. Verse eleven is so powerful, is it not? For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. Everyone who seeks to exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Which one lasts? Which one lasts? Those who will be exalted who humble themselves will be exalted. And say, this is the sovereign switcheroo. If we seek it ourselves, we're not going to find it. But if we entrust it to God, he will give it to us. This is how Jesus lived. This encapsulates his life. And Paul says it so well in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, how Jesus lived. And what does the text say? Jesus, who who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself, and by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See what Jesus did? He humbled himself. He left heaven. He humbled himself for us. And what did he do? He took on the very nature of a servant, and he served you and me. And he was humbled himself, becoming obedient even to death, for that's what God the Father had for him. So he died for us. But what happened in that? God then what? Exalted Jesus and exalted him to his rightful place. That's the process. That's the, the principle, the kingdom principle we're to live in. And for those who live in it, we have the forever after party. We have God's eternal kingdom where we can celebrate Him, His way forever. Because God's looking out for us and will bring us to our heavenly home to live in Him now and forever. For God, who exalted Jesus, will exalt you to the place where He wants you to be. So the question is, do you want God working for you or against you? Who wants God working for them? Raise your hand. Yeah, we want God working for us. How does God work for us? Does he work for us if we seek glory and honor ourselves? No. He works for us if we humble ourselves. If we humble ourselves, God is working for us. So the question is, will we humble ourselves, live in humility, serving others, and trust that God will raise us up? For God's principle is true. This is good news for you and me, that we can have life in his kingdom, that we are invited. Do you know, you are invited to the greatest party in history, the eternal feast of God in the kingdom. You are invited, you are a guest. If your faith and trust is in Jesus, you're part of that. You know, the rich of the world aren't necessarily invited. The famous of the world aren't invited. Only those who are in Christ are invited, and we get to be in God's eternal kingdom, his celestial party forever if we trust in him. That forever after party is for all who humble themselves before the king of kings and the lord of lords. This is what God has for us. Will we live in humility or will we stay in pride? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Humble yourselves in Christ and let God exalt you. That is how we live. So we live serving and blessing others and allow God to raise us up for his glory. We are those who kneel before the Lord. Praise his name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your ongoing teaching to us through your word, for this simple parable which is so profound. Lord, help us not to seek our own honor, our own glory in whatever way, whether it's, out front or whether it's even behind the scenes. Help us rather to be those who humble and serve and bless others. And Lord, entrust our lives, our future to you, and knowing that you will raise us up. Lord, thank you for your promise. Lord, thank you for your work on our behalf, for all who humble themselves, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.